A century ago, there was a group of people known as one-way missionaries. Instead of packing their suitcases and sailing away to some distant country, they took a coffin instead of a suitcase and packed their few worldly possessions inside the coffin. They had no intention of returning home. They boarded ships, they waved goodbye to their family and friends, and they sailed off. One of those people, one of those missionaries was A.W. Milne. He packed his coffin and set sail for an island in the south, uh, southern South Pacific. Every missionary before him to this island had been killed by headhunters. He arrived with his coffin and his few worldly belongings, and he lived there for 35 years. He loved those people. He lived with those people. And when he died, they placed him in his coffin and put him in the ground. And there was this headstone above his coffin. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. When did we start believing that God wanted us to live a comfortable life? When did we start thinking that all we had to do was simply give our cursory time and money and effort to God and that's all he expected? There is a time in which we need to be all in and following Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died to rescue us and in doing so by grace through faith, but yet he has a mission for us. He has an adventure for us. We can believe God for big things in our lives, for big dreams. And it is my observation that in one sense, we've stopped believing God for big things. We've stopped believing God for big dreams and we've settled for mediocrity. That is not God's plan for our lives. God may not send you to a faraway place. God may not send you to be a missionary to a country in, in South America. Instead, God is sending you to Eugene Springfield. There may not be headhunters here, but this is a tough place to live for Jesus nonetheless. So God is sending you right here, and that's our mission. As a church, Grace Community Fellowship, our purpose statement is to love people where they're at and help them follow Jesus. We want to see people go from darkness to light. We want to see people embrace Jesus Christ as their Savior. Here's our big idea today. If you're taking notes, write this down. God calls us to be all in. God calls us to be all in to believe Him for big things. God calls us to be all in in surrendering our lives to Him. God calls us to be all in and commit our very steps to Him in every direction. God calls us as a church to reach people who are far away from Him. A couple years ago, I was at the uh, Palau Festival City Fest, and Andrew Palau was giving a message about salvation and knowing Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden he gives an invitation, who would like to believe, and hands started going up, people started standing. A young woman in front of me stood up, and she was met by a counselor, a lay counselor, and she prayed to receive Christ. It was a spiritual turning point in her life. The counselor asked her, where do you go to church or do you even have a church? She said, well, I'm, I went one time to this place called Grace Community Fellowship and the lay counselor said, their pastor's right behind me. Let's go talk to him. And I met Crystal on that field that day and a couple years later she got baptized in our atrium. It's a phenomenal story and I had the privilege of interviewing Crystal for her faith story. You know, there are so many stories out there of people who have made 
spiritual decisions through our church because we're all in on seeing people go from darkness to life to seeing people being spiritually impacted. A young father stopped me in the parking lot and said, I have to tell you about the baptism of my kids today and how his children prayed to receive Christ at night because he was telling them Bible stories and it was their initiative to trust Christ and then they wanted to be baptized. So the husband got the chance to baptize his wife and then together they got to baptize their children. It just doesn't get any better than that. You see, when we're all in as a church, amazing things happen. Today we're starting a new teaching series. It's called Generations All In. And today we want to talk about what it means to be all in for Jesus Christ. Our church launched an initiative in 2017, about three years ago, called, called Generations. And in that initiative, we wanted to raise funds to expand our ministry, to invest in God's kingdom. And, and about 300 households made pledges and 1.9 million uh, was pledged and eventually came in to finish construction on our second floor. We've seen our church have rapid growth as we've seen our youth ministry uh, uh, grow, our children's ministry grow, and, and in various ways our entire church grew numerically. We added all of that space because of your generosity, because people are all in. And we finished with a surplus of $300,000. Today, as I'm talking to you, even though it's a pandemic, that space is being used. Every day, the YMCA uses our building in a partnership to tutor kids in a, during, during the day, about 40 kids from 8 to 5. We also have a preschool that meets in our church that we've had for years, and a bunch of kids are here, 70 kids are here during the day for the preschool. I was here on a Tuesday night, and four groups were using our space for Bible studies and community groups as well. Even during a pandemic, we've had people baptize, people come to faith in Christ, and people be spiritually impacted by the ministries of our church. You see, when you go all in with Jesus Christ, it changes you. When I went all in with my life to, with Jesus Christ, I was, I was deeply impacted. And when an entire group of people get all in for Jesus Christ, all in on the mission, it can make a tremendous difference in a community. And that's what we're doing today. Here's my question for you today. I want you to think about it. How can you be all in? What's it going to take for you to be all in and following Jesus? It's going to be more than just giving Jesus a token amount of your time, a token amount of your money. He wants your heart because He wants to know you and He wants you to know Him. How can we be all in? We're going to be looking today at the story of Abraham in the Old Testament because Abraham was a man who was all in with his faith. He was a man that was all in with what God told him to do. In fact, the Bible says he was a man of great faith. Abraham and Sarah are models of faithfulness, and God worked in their lives in amazing ways. And we're going to take a look at their lives today. They took great risks because they had great faith, because they had faith that God could do big things. Do you have faith that God can do big things? Or do you have a small God and you have a small faith? Abraham was just the opposite. He believed God for big things, and there is power in believing. If you have your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, and we're going to take a look at this passage of Abraham. And here we go. 
By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundation, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he was as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand on the seashore. Hey, here's the backstory of Abraham. He was living in a place called the Ur of the Chaldees, which is modern-day Iraq. So he lived in the Baghdad area. And God directly spoke to him and said, Abraham, if you move hundreds of miles away to this place called the Promised Land, it was the land of Canaan, I'm going to turn you into a great nation. You're going to have many descendants, and that land is going to be yours. That's an incredible promise that God made to Abraham, and Abraham believed it to be true, and Abraham went all in. Just think about this. God tells you, go move there, and you're going to leave behind your family. You're going to leave behind your friends. You're going to leave behind your business. Abraham was a wealthy man, one of the wealthiest men in the Bible, but it was not satisfying to him. There was more to life than having wealth. There's more to life than having it all. And Abraham was all in. And he leaves that all behind and moving forward to something that he, that's not even in his possession yet. And so Abraham is all in. I want to show you five ways that we can be all in. That our lives can be deeply impacted by our faith in Jesus. And that how we as a church can deeply impact those around us. This is going to be exciting. Here we go. Number one, believing pleases God. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So right off the bat, we need to understand that believing faith is what pleases God, and that's the starting point for us. We have to believe, and another word for believe is trust. Now, some people, when it comes to faith or believing, we tend to think that, well, God is pleased with us when we uh, follow all the do's and don'ts of the Bible. In other words, you have two lists. You have a list of things to do, and you have a list of things not to do. And if we can keep those pretty squared away, God will be pleased with us. The Bible doesn't say that at all. And sometimes we think that what pleases God is just being religious. Yeah, just showing up at some religious event doing a token prayer here and there, and we think, if I'm religious, God will be happy with me. That's not true. The Bible never says that. And sometimes we think, if I just lead a life that doesn't have any sin in it, and I'm morally okay, and that the good outweighs the bad, God is going to be happy with me. The Bible doesn't say that either. The Bible says that God wants us to believe in Him, to trust in His Son, Jesus Christ. That brings great internal power to us when we believe in God. That's what makes God happy with us when we believe in Him and trust Him. The Bible isn't interested in how religious you are. The Bible says that God is interested in having a relationship with you, that you would know Him personally 
and he wants to know you. It's a it's an ongoing relationship and conversation, but it all starts with believing in him. So if you want to be all in with God, all in and walking with him, the first thing you have to get squared away is you have to believe in him. That's where it all starts. Here's the second thing. When it comes to being all in, number two, we must believe it before we see it. Now let me explain that. In Hebrews 11.8 it says, By faith Abraham when called to go to, to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Typical guy, didn't know where he was going. Verse 9, By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. As human beings, we often say uh, things like this, I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, that's a common saying, right? Hey, I'll believe that when I see it. It's like we're really skeptical of things. But the Bible says it in a different way. It says you have to believe it in order to see it. In other words, if you want to see it, you have to believe it to be true. And that's true in a lot of professions and a lot of ways today. If you're an architect, you believe it before you see it. You get it down on paper and it becomes a building as well. If you're an Olympic athlete, you believe you're going to get that gold medal. You believe you're going to win. And you go through all the hard work because you believe it before you see it. If you're an artist and you're making a painting or a sculpture, you believe it before it's actually seen by anybody else. Right? You believe it's going to... If you're a scientist and you're working on a cure for COVID, a vaccine, you believe it before you see it. You see, there's power in believing it. And when we believe it, it enables us to see it. And we have to do that first. So Abraham had this promise. God says, just move there. Pack up and go there. And you have to believe it in order to see it. So the first thing we have to do to be all in is just, is just believing it. God promised Abraham. It's a promise in the Bible. In fact, the Bible says in many places in Romans, Genesis, and in Hebrews, the passage we read that Abraham believed the promise of God. God said it to him, and Abraham believed it to be true, and then he was able to see it at that point. He was looking forward to the city not yet built. So it wasn't even there. He had never been to the promised land. He didn't know exactly where it was. God says, I want you to go there. And see, when God tells us to do something and we believe it, it enables us to see it. It enables us to receive it. So Abraham was promised some land that wasn't his yet. He didn't even know where it was. But this land was inhabited by warriors. Other people were there who did not want Abraham to be there. I mean, Abraham had some incredible obstacles he had to overcome, but yet he believed it. And then when we believe it, we can see those things. He was looking forward to this city that foundations were laid by God himself. So Abraham believed God and he was able to receive it at that point. You see, when God tells us to go, we have to believe him. When God tells us to take action, we need to believe him. It's just not simply believing God is there, but it's trusting him and taking action. That's what Abraham did as well. One of the stories I really like is about Disney World, and many people on the West Coast have been to Disneyland, but not a lot of people have been to Disney World. And Disney World was completed in 1971, but Walt Disney had passed away, died in 1967. 
And so at the grand opening of Disney World, some business owners got a private tour and one of them said, it's too bad that Walt Disney never saw Disney World. One of the executive vice presidents said, oh, you misunderstand. Walt Disney saw it, that's why it's here. You see, Walt Disney believed in it and thus it came to be. And that can happen with us too. We believe God for big things. We believe God for big dreams. And then God does this just like our church. I want to think about our church for a minute that a group of people had a big dream for a new kind of church in Eugene and Springfield. And in 1980, 40 years ago to this year, a group of people began to meet to form a new church. And they started in an old rundown building, an old church building on the fairgrounds property. It's no longer there. And they got a letter from the city that said, get out. They're going to condemn that building. And so they had to find a new place to meet. And so they had to look for property. And they believed that God would provide and ended up here on Country Club Road. And then, and then through a set of God-sized miracles and dreams that people believed in, because the property here was in the floodplain and needed to be raised four feet, that's 1.4 million cubic yards of dirt had to be added to this property to get it high enough. Well, it just so happens that there was a parking garage being dug out downtown at Sacred Heart Hospital. And so all that dirt ended up here on our property. Well, you see, the people who founded this church, and some of them are still in our church today, believe God for big things. And we get to do the same thing. We as a church, we get to believe that God can do big things. In 2004, uh, the church had grown rapidly and needed uh, um, a lot more space to do ministry, to invest in people's lives. And so the church needed $1.3 million to pay for a construction project. And guess what? $1.3,013,000 was pledged. God provided what was needed. And then Hurricane Katrina hit. And Building prices exploded and the church needed additional funds and people believed that God would provide. They had big dreams and God provided. And God made it so that we could continue to invest and change lives. I just want you to think of something. During the course of the 40 years of this church, even in the last few years, hundreds of lives have been saved. Hundreds of people have been spiritually impacted. Hundreds of people have been baptized. Marriages have been saved. Marriages have been redeemed. Children and youth have been deeply impacted by the ministries here. Even today during a pandemic, we're ministering to our community through the ministry of the YMCA that's here in our building. We are ministering in our community by providing people who are displaced by the fire. We are ministering to our community by assisting with the HIV Alliance. We are ministering in our community and making a spiritual impact. We have the same vision as people 40 years ago because we believe in a big God and big things can happen. In our church last year, we constructed a dormitory for children in Asia. We're impacting people around the world. And in fact, we are impacting international students here. We had our first barbecue just last month for international students. We are continuing to make a difference in our community, a difference in our world, and a difference in our church as well. There's power in believing God for big things. About 15 years ago, I had a vision that a church should start a preschool. And so a couple of us began to meet, began to dream about that, and pray about it, and plan for it, prepare for it. So the Grace Community Fellowship Preschool started with three students. And then the next 
semester we had eight students, and today we have 70 students in our Grace Community Preschool. We are impacting families across our community. Why? Because we believe in God for big things. We are all in. Right now in our church, we are taking a big step in believing God for something, and it's called Generations All In. And what we're doing is we're inviting people in our church to extend their pledge from the Generations Campaign an additional year. We actually had 50 households who are brand new to our church start giving to our building fund. That's incredible. That's phenomenal. So upwards of 400 individuals or households have made contributions to our Generations Campaign. We're inviting people to pray about participating for an additional year. That additional year will pay for architect fees, uh, permitting fees, engineering fees, so that we can invest more money into ministry here with our children and our high school students as well, and in many, many different other ways in our church. You'll be getting more information about it, but our church is continuing to invest in ministry and invest in the lives of people. Just like that missionary who went to the island to share the gospel with people, we want to do the same and bring the light of Jesus Christ to a dark place. And that's exactly what we are doing now. I can see how God will use our church to impact lives as we reach people in our community. Number three, God tests our faith so we can be stronger. If you want to be all in for Jesus Christ, your faith will be tested. You will go through difficulty. And I believe personally that sometimes God deliberately places us in difficult spots so our faith can grow. God had promised Abraham that he would have a son. Now, the difficult part of this is that Abraham's 100 years old and his wife Sarah is 90. That's a shocker. You're going to be 90 years of age and you're going to get pregnant? That's going to be, well, you're going to be stunned at that one. Mary and I, before we, uh, as when we were engaged, Mary had to have surgery for endometriosis, and her surgeon said it will be difficult for you to get pregnant. And so we got married, and our first son was born nine months, four days after we were married. I remember telling the surgeon, you were wrong. He simply said, I'm a very good surgeon, and he chuckled and walked off. And you know what? We were stunned. We were not planning to have kids that soon. God had other plans. And you know what? When you have a baby, that changes everything. And when you're 90 years old as a mother, a 90-year-old mother? First-time mother? Wow, that's going to change your life. It's going to be stunning. And that's what happened to Abraham and Sarah. God promised them they would have a son. And in fact, they believed it, but at times they struggled with that. Do you know what happens to people when they turn 90? They can't have babies, but not Sarah. God did a miracle and fulfilled His promise. I've been through some testing times too. Sarah was tested. Abraham was tested. They were tested about hanging in there and believing God for a child. 2006, I was sitting in my office, and we were trying to expand our church and we needed $1.3 million to expand our physical building. And I got off the phone with a church consultant, and he said, Steve, the most 
that you can plan on, the capacity of your church is $700,000. That's about half of what we needed. I hung up the phone and was in a moment of despair. I thought, I'm going to have to resign. I've led the church down a rabbit hole. It's going to be Alice in Wonderland. It's going to be terrible. This is going to be a failure. I had a moment of pity, but it was actually God's testing me. God was testing me. Are you going to stay the course? Are you going to continue to trust me? And in fact, in our story about Abraham, one of the things that's very interesting, it says that Abraham believed God, and it's this kind of continuing belief. He's believing God every step of the way. It's a lifestyle thing. He's trusting God. And that's what we have to do at times in our lives. You have a big dream in your life, and you're being tested. And you're being tested about your time. Am I going to give just a token amount of my time to God? Or am I going to give Him 100% of my time, 100% of my life, 100% of my life, uh, of my funds, 100% of my energy? Are you going to be all in with Jesus Christ? Or are you going to float around and just be in a, in, in a, in a rut with things? God is asking for all of you, all of your life. That's what He, he wants everything. That's what it means to be all in. And God will test you to see if you're all in. Here's the fourth thing. Believing God for big dreams requires obedience. Let's look at our passage one more time. We'll read it again. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Would you circle that word obeyed? Even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham was called out of this location in modern-day Iraq, and God told him, I want you to go. I want you to go to this place. I want you to leave behind all that's familiar to you. I want you to leave behind your family. I want you to leave behind the life that you had, and I want you to travel to this promised land that I'm going to give you, and I'm going to make you a great nation, and I'm going to give you children. I mean, that's a that's an amazing promise to make to an old person who's ready for social security. It was kind of like Abraham's calling. And his, and his calling was to follow God and to obey Him as well. God put in Abraham a desire that's in his heart to go. And God places that same desire in your heart to follow after Him. And often we push back. We push back. We're not obeying what God is telling us to do. We're afraid that God is going to send us to that island somewhere. We're afraid that God is going to make us think about this. God might make me love my neighbor. See, that's tough stuff. See, God's calling in your life might be for you to tell the truth. Tell the truth to your employer. Tell the truth to your children. Tell, tell the truth to your spouse as well. So God tells Abraham to go. It's kind of like this. Steve Hill, I want you to go over there. And I might tell God, well, where? There. And I'm like, well, where? Just get going over there. God is saying, go there. And I'm like, I don't think so. I mean, where exactly? There. Can you see Abraham having that kind of conversation with God? Well, where am I going exactly? Just go. Just be moving in that direction. That's obedience. You see, when God prompts your heart to do something, do it. Don't hesitate. Good things come to people who obey Jesus Christ. 
And if you want to be all in for the Lord, you want to be all in on God's big plan for your life, big dreams for your life, you've got to have, be a person of obedience and follow him there. Now, Abraham is 75 when he leaves Iraq. He's an old guy. I mean, that's, that's incredible. And he packs up and he goes. And then it's another 25 years until he has a son. That's a long time to wait. But Abraham was obedient every step of the way. Now, trusting God is a big risk. You see, you're going to take a step of risk. When God is prompting you to do something with your time, with your money, with your life, with how you interact with people, you're taking a risk. And the risk might be failure, might be embarrassment, but there's going to be risk involved in that. See, it's not faith if it doesn't require any risk. Faith is trusting where God would have you to be as well. At our church, since the COVID, we are taking courageous risks at Grace Community Fellowship. We are partnering with Young Life for a college ministry here at Grace Community Fellowship. We're working with international students since the COVID pandemic. We're adding new staff for social media and online streaming and video production. We're not treading water. We're taking courageous risks because we are obeying what God would have us do because we are loving people where they're at and helping them follow Jesus, and we will be relentless about that. And that's what God would have us to do, to be relentless, to be all in, to be obedient after following what God would have us to do. You don't get saved and then coast. You get saved and then Jesus sends you on a mission. And that's what we're about right here. Here's number five. Overcoming obstacles takes perseverance. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, it continues, And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she was considered, she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. I said before, Sarah is 90 years of age. She's well past childbearing. Uh, childbearing, this is an obstacle. This is a big deal. But if you have a big dream, you have big faith that God will do big things and do big stuff, there will be obstacles in your way. There will be things that will be difficult in your path. And Abraham and Sarah were ready to throw in the towel many times. In fact, one time God reminded them that they're going to have a child and Sarah laughs at him. She goes, ha, I'm, not, I, I'm 89, it's never going to happen. It happened the following year. Some of you who are listening to me, you're not persevering and you're ready to quit. Some of you are ready to quit on your marriage. Some of you are ready to quit on your fiancé. Some of you are ready to quit on your job. Some of you are just ready to quit on school. You're sick and tired of Zoom and video and all of those things. Some of you are just tired and you're ready to give up. This is not the time to quit. God is not calling us to be stagnant. God is not calling us to quit on things as well. Some of you are, are ready to quit on your career, quit on your dreams, quit on where you want to be in life, quit on your goals. The reason you're listening to me today is so that I can remind you, don't quit. 
persevere. Overcome those obstacles. Some of you are ready to quit because your health is bad. Some of you are ready to quit because of the fires. Some of you are just COVID fatigued and you're ready to just give up. And the reason you're listening to me today is so that I can tell you, don't give up. Some of you are ready to quit on your finances. You're swimming in debt. God says, don't give up. God wants to tell you, hang in there. Don't stop trusting me for your big dreams in life. Don't stop obeying me. You may feel distressed. You may feel discouraged. But our God is the God of encouragement. Our God is the God who will take you from being discouraged to being encouraged. Our God will take you from being disillusioned with life to feel like you have a vision to live for as well. A big obstacle to overcome right now is the fear factor, the fear of failure. My best guess is that people are often afraid because they think God will tell them to do something they do not want to do. You don't want to go next door and invite your neighbor to church. You don't want to go and reconcile with somebody else. You don't want to do the right thing. And so you're afraid of that. And sometimes you might think, God's going to ask me to do something, and I might fail at it. God prompted me to volunteer for that ministry, and if I do it, I might fail. God prompted me to contribute financially to somebody who has a need, a neighbor or somebody that needs some help. And he said, well, if I do that, I'll run out of money myself. And so there's a fear there. There's a fear of failure. And sometimes we're just afraid to admit our mistakes. When I was a youth pastor, I used to do this silly game. And if I'd have somebody stand on a table and turn their back to everyone else. And then I'd have a couple people behind them and I would tell them, hey, just fall backwards and your friends will catch you. I tell you what, getting somebody to volunteer for that is not easy. And somebody would say, no, I'm not doing it. My friends will never catch me. You're going to make me look silly. I'll be embarrassed. All of these things that they were afraid of. And to reassure them, we're going to catch you. We're going to catch you. And then finally, somebody would stand on the table and be on the edge, and they'd be teetering there. Do I fall backwards? Will they catch me? And finally, this inner conflict of struggle, the person falls backwards, and they get caught, and the you know, other students cheer for them. Fear can paralyze us when it comes to our actions. And there are times we are afraid to make decisions based on fear. And so we make no decisions. And our fears can be self-fulfilling prophecies to ourselves. How many times have you said, oh, that'll never happen in my life? Well, sure enough, because you believed it wouldn't happen. Your fear became a self-fulfilling prophecy. How many times have I heard somebody say, I don't want to end up like my mother. I don't want to end up like my father. And sure enough, they end up just like their parents. See, we need to believe. We need to overcome fear. We need to overcome the fear of failure as well. Now then, our actions can be paralyzed and we will stop following after Jesus Christ simply because we are afraid, we are embarrassed, we um, have doubts as well. Fear and doubt go together at times. They're like roommates. Fear and doubt, they're like roommates that hang out together. I think one of the things that happens to us, we have this voice inside our heads that says, don't do that. You're going to fail. 
Or a voice that says, why would you do that? Or a voice that says, why would you give more of your time? Why would you volunteer? Why would you give money to an orphanage in Myanmar? Why would you spend your vacation go building a dormitory for children in a third world country? And here's what you do. You have those negative thoughts in your You need to kill negative thoughts in your head. You need to kill them because it will give you freedom. Because your thoughts of failure and fear will drive you away from Jesus Christ. You've got to take those voices in your head that say, I can't do that. I will fail. They're going to laugh at me. You have to kill those voices. Because if you don't, those voices will kill your faith. And so we need to overcome those things and persevere. I don't know about you today, but I want to be all in with Jesus Christ. I want to be all in and following Him and believing in Him for big things. I want our church, Grace Community Fellowship, to be all in when it comes to investing in ministry so that we can spiritually impact hundreds of people throughout our community. As your pastor, I want to tell you something. I sat in my office a few months ago and I said, I don't want to be treading water right now during this COVID pandemic. That would be so easy to do. I almost be like Steveville taking a sabbatical. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be pressing forward because we have a mission. That's why I'm excited about the Generations All In campaign because by extending our pledges, we're going to have enough funds to, well, add a 3,500 square foot auditorium for small conferences and high school kids and middle school kids and community events. We're going to add four new classrooms for children. We're going to add a sensory, sensory room for, for uh, special needs kids. There's going to be some fantastic ways that we're going to spiritually impact our church, our community, and ultimately our world. And I'm inviting you to do this. Here's my challenge to you today. I have a homework for you. Will you pray? Here's your homework. Will you pray that our church will spiritually impact our community? I'm inviting you to pray with me that prayer. That's what I'm going to be saying for the next few weeks. Will you be praying that our church will spiritually impact our community? And for that, I'm all in. And I hope you're all in too. And not only following Jesus Christ so that you are powerfully changed on the inside, but also that you are all in in following the mission that God has for us here. We have big dreams and we have a big God and we're going to believe in Him because we're all in. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just pray that we can be the kind of church that's all in for you. Even if it requires more of us, more of our time, more of our energy, more of our finances. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we as individuals can make an impact at the places we work, the schools we go to, the people we interact with. God, we pray that we can be like those one-way missionaries. That when we show up, people can say, there is no more darkness 
There's just the light of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Have a great week.